Welcome to Sisters Inc., our podcast for and about women business owners, brought to you by Black Enterprise. I'm your host, Elisa Gums. Black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in America. And on every episode of Sisters Inc., we'll sit down with one successful CEO and share how she slays the challenges of being a Black woman in business. Today's episode is all about using events to build your business. We're chatting with the queen of natural hair, Talia Wajid, founder of the Talia Wajid brand and the World Natural Hair Show. Welcome to Sisters Inc., Talia, and thank you so much for sitting down with us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You've been in the business of natural hair since you were 14. Take us back to the beginnings of your passion for natural hair. So it all started when my mother wouldn't allow me to get a relaxer. Um, I begged her and begged her. So this is back when like 99.9% of people wore relaxers, even children. And so all my friends had one and I wanted one and she just refused. Said, no, you know, God wants you to have straight hair, we gave it to you. So figure it out. <laughs> and luckily I you know, have always been very creative. You know, I used to sew and um, you know, just play with my doll's hair. So I just played in my hair until I figured it out. And uh, one thing that I figured out is that um, I, I, I would take a lot of um, just products around the house, like um, lotions and creams and even Vaseline, <laughs> just to put it on the hair just to see what would make it easier to comb. And uh, one thing I remember my mom used to say uh, when she shampooed my hair, uh, you better hurry up and get over here because when it gets dry, you're going to, you know, it's, it's just going to be bad or something, you know, it's going to hurt or something. And so one day I didn't do it and it, I let it dry and it was the worst thing. So I understood that the hair needs moisture in order to make it easier to comb. And that's why my mother wanted me to after I shampoo it, stop running around the house. Come on over here and let me comb your hair. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that was really my introduction to my love of natural hair. Um, after I started playing with my hair and I really got to know it, I knew what it did when it rained outside. I knew what it did when it was too hot or too cold. And I really formed a relationship with my hair and it came to really like my hair. You know, I didn't care about the girls with the relaxers because... I was able to, you know, take grease and make some really cute hairstyles. And they were looking at me like, oh, wow, how do you get your hair like that? You know, but they couldn't get their hair like that because it was relaxed. So yeah, that was my love for it. And once I found out that this hair was not as bad as we were told it was, um, I wanted everybody else to know, you know. So I started, you know, seeing whose hair I could play in. And, you know, so that, that was my introduction and my love. You're almost like a natural hair prodigy to think that, you know, at the age of 14, people would, you know, pay you to do their mm -hmm. hair or consult with you to do their hair. Um, so you eventually became a natural hair care master stylist. Mm -hmm. And in 1996, you created the very first complete line of natural chemical free products made for natural chemical free hair. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like today where there's an entire ecosystem for mm -hmm. natural hair. You were really a pioneer. Mm -hmm. Did you worry at that time about whether the market would support it? No, at that time, well, when I first started um, the product line, I wasn't really worried because really natural hair is the only way that I've been able to earn money my whole life. Um, I did take a little stint and I went and got a, a job being an executive secretary. I went to school for that because you were told that 
you know, you want a good job, you go to school, get a good job, and you're good for life. So that was embedded in my head. But I learned that I, I wanted to do what I loved, and I loved doing hair. And so I wasn't really concerned about, you know, the market at that time because I had a slew of customers, and they were buying my products. And I had salons that were buying my products. Um, and my goal was to get all the salons to buy the products and resell it. I would teach them how to resell the products to their customers and and it, it went okay for a minute, but then I found my phone was ringing like crazy because the customers couldn't, the stylists were not replenishing. And so I had to ship to them and I said, wait a minute, I can't do this. <laughs> so that's what made me say, okay, well, I need to see how we, I can get this product in a store, you know, in the stores. And yeah, that's when my concern came, only when I went to do it, I saw so much pushback. And I'm the type of person, if you tell me no, that my next question is why? And it better be a good answer, because if it's not, I'm just going to keep asking again, asking again. <laughs> We're going to make this happen until you make me see a really reasonable uh, reason why I shouldn't do it. And I, there, were, there wasn't any, because I had a slew of customers that were wearing their hair natural. They wanted it natural. It was growing. I was educating stylists on educating their customers. So it was just growing and growing. And I just, I would go in the stores and I'll see a section for relaxes. I see a section for hair color. I just felt like it should be a section for people that want to wear natural hair in these stores. And that was my goal, just to, you know, educate the, the retailers and educate the uh, OTC store owners on uh, just the benefits of having this product and that uh, there is a um, there's a customer that really wants this. They didn't believe it because at that time, like I said, 99.9% .9 of women were wearing relaxes. And that's how everybody in the hair business, black hair business, made money off of relaxes. So they didn't even know about this other thing that was going on with natural hair. Yeah, as you just said, you started this one. There wasn't even a category no. in, in the stores. And so many entrepreneurs who have a product, they figured out something that works on themselves or their family members, they get stuck like right at that point between you know, having a product that works, but getting it onto the retail mm -hmm. shelves. You got yours into beauty stores. You could then expand it into other retail. Like, what was that process like for you having to not just like sell people on you as a businesswoman or your products, but on the fact that these products were even needed in the first place? It was very hard and it was very, it was, it was disappointing that they just didn't understand it and they couldn't, they couldn't see it. And sometimes they just didn't want to see it. They, you know, they just shut down. I remember even when I went to find a chemist to help formulate my first collection, all of the chemists, they just, everything that I talked to them about, it always turned around to how we can straighten the hair, how we can make this product straighten the hair. They just could not connect it. That's not what I want. I don't want it to straighten the hair. There are people that want their hair like this. And so it's the same conversation when I got to the retailers and to the um, the beauty supply store owners. And it was just difficult. It was a difficult challenge, but, um, you know, I wasn't going to stop. <laughs> and I eventually got my products on the shelf in the beauty supply stores and they saw that they were selling. And then it just, you know, went on from there. Let's talk about the World Natural Hair Show. The tagline is, it's not a hair show, it's a cultural movement. Yes. So tell us um, what the event includes and what the purpose of the event is. So the purpose of the event goes back to, you know, when there were no products on the shelf, right, for natural hair. 
And I just felt that it was important to have not just me on the show. I wanted a whole section, like the relaxers and the color. So I just felt like it, it, it should be a whole, it should be a place where people that are interested in wearing their hair natural, they don't understand it, people that are selling natural products, people that are considering going natural, people that are not even natural. There's no people that are natural. I just wanted it to be one place where everybody comes like a watering hole. So you can come there and get everything you need. Stylists can take workshops and classes and be educated. Um, consumers can see the latest products that are available. And because I knew that once we got on the shelf, once it became a category, it was going to be a thing. And my one of my most important things about it is that I wanted it to stay on a level of professionalism. And I wanted people to look at it in awe, like, wow, it's really beautiful. You know, this is... This is great, you know, not like, oh, those people over there, you know, wear their hair like that. Because it, there was a time when it was like that. We just, you know, those are the militant people. Those are the people that want to go back to Africa. Those are the black power people. And it was some of those, of course, but the person wears their hair natural is anybody, you know. And that's what I, that's what I wanted people to see with this show is you, is whoever wants to do it or if you don't, you know. I just, but I wanted you to see natural hair on a, a, you know, on a high level, high quality level, professionalism, beautiful the way that it is, and just have a slew of information available for people that just didn't know, want to have questions on any level. So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And the scope of the event now, like tell us some of the things that it includes because it really is so much more than a hair show. It is. Well, you know what? To go back, it started out as just a hair show. I think when we first started, it was in a, a ballroom in a hotel, a small ballroom. I think maybe 30 vendors, if even that many, 25, and like 100 people or something. And these were the Black Power, let's go back to Africa people. <laughs> because that's all I could get back then. And so, um, so I had the task of, you know, just merging, you know, general, I don't know, I don't know they call them general market people, but just... I don't know. I don't want to say regular people, but the um, the masses, right? The, the the task of mixing the masses with, you know, just the the core of people that wanted to do the show. So tell us about some of the things that the show includes, because, mm -hmm. you know, as you said, it's not just a hair show. There's so much more. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is so much more. It is. It started out as a hair show, regular hair show. And um, what we would do at the show was you know, show beautiful hairstyles. We always had like a little health um, element there because I believe if you're going to start looking at your hair being natural, you're automatically going to start looking at, you know, what am I putting into my body? And so with those two things, that was the start of it. So every year, like after the show, I would meet people that say, oh my God, the show has changed my life. I'm eating differently now. I went natural. I'm not putting chemicals in my hair. It, it, you know, it's, it's just... It, it evolved from there, from a person just coming to the show to see what the new hairstyle was, to being able to say, well, okay, I decided to go natural. How else can I improve my life? How else can I improve what I'm putting in my body and, you know, just be natural all around? And so that's when the health element started getting larger and larger. And so when I see people coming together, I'm always thinking, how can we make this even more of an event where people walk away with something that has improved their life? So I started adding other elements as far as, you know, the workshops and not just for professionals, but workshops for consumers that um, may be interested in parenting, may be, you know, interested in finance, um, home buying, just things that are needed in the community. 
And um, from there, you know, just other little elements started coming you know, together in the show. So the show really has something for everybody. We have a huge men's section. It's called the Men's Den. So uh, we have men's grooming products there. We have the barbers there. We have a big kids section. Uh, the kids' corner or the children's corner is it, it's just everything. It's a family event, and it's something there for everybody. Uh, it's something that can touch your lifestyle, any, any part of your lifestyle is there at the show. So, um, yeah, so that's that's how it kind of morphed into this lifestyle thing. Oh, and we just added uh, the Women of Color and Business Summit last year at the show. That was our first year of doing it. Prudential sponsored it, and it was phenomenal. And so this year we came back, we, um, we're we doing it. We, we, we have Wells Fargo sponsoring it. We have Charles Schwab and Walmart has come in to um, be in a sponsor as well. And so we have a lineup of Founders, we have a lineup of um, financial um, organizations that can help with lending, help with gaining capital, and not just getting capital because there's so many ways to get capital. People approach businesses all the time about, oh, how can I give you more capital? It's more important to know how to position yourself properly for when you sit at that table because there's money everywhere. There's no problem with getting money. Because people want to give it to you. But, you know, is this a good deal for me? So that's really one of my passions, making sure that, you know, these smaller companies that are coming up that don't really understand business and, uh, you know, just the things that I didn't. And that's how I was growing. I didn't understand anything. So I would have got caught out there when I was younger because I didn't understand business. I just know I knew how to make money. And, you know, for most of us, you know, black people, we know how to make some money. We're going to earn a living some kind of way. It's just that level of it's, it's just getting to the next levels in business. And it really takes having a strong foundation of business and a good understanding of um, just the things in business that a lot of times when you're making so much money, you don't even think about you know, because the money's coming in. You know, what is my profit margin? You know, is this a good deal for me? So those are the kind of things that we talk about at the Woman of Color and Business Summit. And that's the Thursday before the uh, weekend of the show. That's April the 20th. So, yeah, we're always adding something new. We're just trying to capture everything that, you know, can touch your life in a positive way and just put it into the show weekend. So soon it's going to be a show week. Then it's going to be a show month. <laughs> Big plans, huh? Yeah, big plans. So you mentioned that in the early days, you had to do a lot of education. You mm -hmm. had to educate, you know, people in general on the market for natural hair. You had to educate consumers mm -hmm. and you had to educate other stylists. So um, education has clearly been a big part of the event. What are some of the other ways that the event benefits the brand? Oh, so the event gives us a chance to really show out. <laughs> we, you know, we, it's, it's that annual time. And, you know, we're not the only ones to show out. These, these competitors come through. I mean, they come through, their booths are beautiful, you know, they're ready. So it, it gives you a chance to really get in front of the consumer, talk to them about what you have new that's coming up, any questions they may have had about your brand. You know, we get a chance to answer them there. We touch, feel. They get to really uh, feel what the brand is about. You know, they're, they're talking to the people that represent the brand. I'm there talking to them. So it, it really gives me a chance to have a closer connection with the consumers that are, um, that are purchasing our products. 
So, um, yeah, I say for the brand, it, it gives you a lot of, it gives us a lot of extra ex exposure and it gives us a chance to really communicate face to face with our customers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it also lets the community know that you're there, that you care about them. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. That we're pouring back into the community. Yes, definitely. And I would imagine it's like, you know, a really fertile testing ground for you to hear directly from your customers yeah. about what they want, what, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. And, you know, to try some new things out on them. Yeah, definitely. And we're doing here right there on the spot. They're trying new products. You know, we have our professional stylists there giving them free consultations, talking to them about, you know, maybe the hair issues or just questions they have about hair and our products. The scale that this event has reached is huge. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you said you started in one ballroom, mm -hmm. um, you know, more than 20 years ago as just a hair show. Now mm -hmm. it's a two-day weekend. You have more than 35 workshops, more than 300 vendors, and 30,000 attendees that come in over the course of the weekend, um, making this the largest event celebrating natural beauty. Did you have an intentional strategy to grow the event to this size? Yes, I did. And um, I, I have a strategy to grow it larger as well. So, yes, I, I did. not so much larger. Just have more information there, more things to benefit, you know, people in the community. And if, once, once we have those things in place, they're going to come anyway, so... Yeah, that's that's my main goal. It's always been to give a quality event, you know, that people will benefit. They can walk away with something that you know, core added to their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you share some of the tactics that have worked for you over the years in terms of growing the event? Um, I share those. I have to kill you. No. <laughs> you can share one. I'm sure. Just one. Okay. I would say. Um, yeah. So this is. I'm just, yeah, because this is very important for anyone that's doing an event. Anyone that's really doing anything. You can carry this through a lot of things that you do. Um, never settle. No, no matter how great, you know, whatever you're doing is, just don't settle on that. There's always ways that you can make it better, especially if you're serving uh, customers and you're serving the community. You always want to tap into what they need. You know, even though you thought it was great, you're having a great time, you know, the money's coming in. You know, so you saw it. It was a great event. People came. Okay, it's over now. <laughs> what are you going to do next year? <laughs> you know, how are you going to make this even more impactful and more enjoyable for the people that come next year? This show has been around so long because I think of that mindset that I have. You know, I, I, I don't settle. I don't, um, you know, just, just get cocky and conceited about things. We've had some really great events, really great uh, but if you want to be around as long as we as long as we've been around and still be relevant and have young people want to come to your event, you got to tap in. You got to tap into everybody that you want to come there and make sure that you're trying to have something that that's appealing to them. And it's not easy because I'm I'm a lot older than these <laughs> these young people now, these consumers. So trying to figure out how they think, how they talk, what they want, <laughs> that's a whole experience. I need a class. But, <laughs> but you know, you have to at least attempt, you know, to, to tap in. And a lot of times, you know, as you get older, you oh, we didn't do that. We, don't, we didn't do that back then. You know, we didn't have to do, okay, we're not back then anymore. 
we're here. So <laughs> you need to tap in. So that's 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 a secret that I will share. And you can take that. Not just what do you think, everything you do. What do you think is the biggest lesson that you've learned about putting on a great event over these two decades of doing it? The greatest lesson? Um... Oh, no, somebody so many lessons. Um, the greatest lesson, I, I, I would just say, just be open minded. You know, just be open minded, I would say, which is pretty much what I just said. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I would say would be the, the biggest lesson that I've learned. You know, but I wouldn't say it's a lesson because I've always been like that about pretty much everything that I do. Um, I know there's a lot of little lessons I can say that, you know, that I've learned. Um, I, I don't know, but I'll get back with you on yeah. that one. <laughs> I mean, I, I, but I, that's a real mm-hmm. lesson though. Like being adaptable, being flexible yeah. is so important for a business mm-hmm. owner. And you, you talked about the fact that so many people get stuck on what they used to do back yeah. then. Um, or that they had a great event and they don't look toward the future, especially of, you know, renewing the pipeline of younger attendees. That's a big deal. Yeah, it is. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you would do differently, um, you know, starting this event, knowing what you know now? Um, differently? I would say no, because, I mean, it was not easy doing this. I mean, I used to cry every year. Every year, like, you're not coming. We're the people. (laughs) They don't understand. They don't get it. And I was saying, I wouldn't trade those things. I I feel like I needed to go through all the challenges. I needed needed to go through that because those are the things that made me learn. You know, I'm I'm sure there was a lesson in all of the failures and all the things, the challenges. Um, Differently... No, I just, I made a lot of mistakes. I still make them and I'm still going to make some more. But I think that with this show, the things that really irritated me, that, you know, aggravated me, I really think that I, I needed to go through those things. I think that, so I don't, I don't think I would do anything differently, you know, but no. Um, you mentioned the Women of mm-hmm. Color in Business Summit um, is part of the show. And of course, you're not only a longtime entrepreneur yourself and a very successful one, but one who has helped develop and support many other women entrepreneurs over the years. So before you go, I have to ask your best advice for the women entrepreneurs out there who are listening to us right know now. Know your numbers. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> know your numbers. Whatever you do, know your numbers, you know. And, and um, you don't have to be really good at math, but just try to understand. If you can count money, you can figure out what you need to know about, you know, the fundamentals of business. And if you don't, you know, feel real comfortable. with I, I, I wasn't really comfortable. It took me a long time to really sit down and say, okay, let me figure this out. You know, let me just do this because I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. I don't want to keep losing money. So just know your numbers and get people around you that know your numbers. That can explain them to you. Get a mentor that's been successful in what you are doing. That's what I would say. Get a mentor that's been successful with what it is that you're doing or what you're trying to do and talk to them about those numbers. 
Yeah. Thank you so much, Talia, for sharing your small business success story. Everyone out there, please take a look at the company website, naturalhair.org, and the website for the World Natural Hair Health and Beauty Weekend, which is naturalhairshow.org. You can also follow Talia and the brand on Facebook and Twitter at Talia Wajid, that's T-A-L-I-A-H-W-A-A-J-I-D, or on Instagram at Talia Wajid Brand. Check out the podcast channel on blackenterprise.com to find Sisters Inc. and other podcasts from Black Enterprise editors, writers, and experts. Be sure to subscribe to Sisters Inc. on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or YouTube. And if you like what you hear, show us some love by leaving a five-star review or put a sister on by spreading the word. I'm Elisa Gums with Sisters Inc. for Black Enterprise. Thank you for listening.